Hello, this is Michael James King coming to you from beautiful Round Town, USA, where we encourage you to remember today is the tomorrow you worried about yesterday. This is yet another edition of God's Love Club, the podcast that talks about God's divine love and what it means for you today. We, as always, are giving a shout out to spirit-led believers everywhere and greeting them with a holy kiss. We confess Jesus Christ as our risen Lord and Savior, thanking Him for His sacrifice on Calvary, and we look forward to His soon appearing in the clouds. Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray and we ask that Your Spirit will illuminate our spirits, will help us to communicate Your Spirit to those who are listening, open their spirits to receive Your Word, and let us all be edified in Jesus' name. Amen. Today... My co-host with the spirit-led most is the lovely Christy Smith, the darling of Round Town, USA. Christy is happy and well-adjusted in beautiful downtown Roundtown, where she believes without limits, prays for her family and friends unceasingly, and treats everyone with loving kindness. The title of this podcast today is A Higher Love. Hi, Christy. How are you? Hi, I'm doing really well today. How are you? Doing pretty good. We are practicing social distancing in round town. Mm-hmm. And you better back up about two feet <laughs> in order to do that. <laughs> of course, our audio won't be so good. Actually, in round town, we're all used to social distancing anyway because right. we live so far away from everybody that it's almost like going to Shangri-La to find us. Exactly. We kind of stay away from each other anyway, so it works. Well, we're going to talk about a higher love. And what that means for each one of us and what God has in store for us in this tabernacle blessing. And by higher love, we believe that God has a place in him where the love that we show is not an earthly love. It's a love that comes from above, literally. Mm -hmm. And it flows through us to one another. And that love is the very nature of God. Therefore, when we become one with God through his Holy Spirit, and we manifest his nature, that higher love flows to each one of us, and it's selfless, it's perfect, it does not seek its own. But the trouble is that many people, they try to have agape love, selfless love, and they try to generate it in themselves. And though they can do it for a little time sometimes, it just fails. We can't keep it up because Mm -hmm. we don't really have it in ourselves to be that selfless and to be that giving towards other people. But God doesn't have any problem with that. He just is. And so we take on his nature. It's easy for us to love one another as Christ loved us. Yeah. And it's important, I think, especially during this time that we really pursue this higher love and try to receive it from God and try to live in it because there's a lot of fear in the world today. There's a lot going on that we have reason to be afraid of. And the Bible says that perfect love cast out fear. And there is no perfect love except God's love. This higher love that we're talking about is what is going to cast out fear. Fear is very contagious. If you talk with anyone on the phone about what's going on or you watch the news and you hear a story about something horrible happening somewhere in the world, it generates fear in us. And in order for us to be able to move past that and to not be overcome by the fear, we have to understand this love. And this love is something that makes us not be afraid because when you belong to God, you know that He is working everything for your good. You know that he has power over everything. And there's always hope. And there's always a sense of being loved, a sense of being cared for, a sense of 
well-being that can come upon us when we live in that love, no matter what is going on around us. That's what God promises us is not that the world is going to be perfect. Jesus said in this world, we will have trouble. But he said to take heart because he's overcome the world. And the way he has overcome the world is by this love. When that love flows in us and lives in us and flows out of us, it can change the way we perceive the circumstances. The love of God is an experience, just like salvation is an experience, just like Holy Spirit baptism is an experience. The love of God is something that you experience. It's a gift, just like being filled with the Holy Spirit is a gift. And you ask for it, just like you ask to be saved, just like you ask to be spirit-filled. You ask to be filled with the love of God, and He does it, and it comes from above. It's not something that we can work up in ourselves. This is the central thing that we don't get that isn't often taught because a lot of people read the Bible and they want to just do what the Bible says to do. And they try that. They do their best. They work at loving people and they find out that they can't make the grade. Why? Well, because they're trying to do what the Bible says without having everything the Bible says you need to have. And you really need to have the experience and the baptism of love That is the tabernacle experience, because that is what allows you to live like the Bible says. You can't live like the apostles lived without being baptized in the Holy Spirit, because they all were. And that's the perspective that they're writing from. But there is a baptism of love that they all experience too, and they write from that experience also. And without that experience, without that gift of love from God, you can't live the things that they wrote. Because you can't muster it up in your own strength. And I like that you say that there's a baptism of the Spirit and there's a baptism of love because in the garden, before sin came into the world, there was the fullness of the Spirit. There was the fullness of love. Exactly. Sin came and separated us from God. And so his Spirit came and went throughout the Old Testament as he saw fit. But in the New Testament church, his Spirit was able to fall completely on the people that belonged to Christ because he had removed sin from their lives by his sacrifice on the cross. So they could be filled with the Spirit again. But it's not only that God wants to return the fullness of the Spirit, he also wants to return the fullness of love. And Paul writes about that in the book of 1 Corinthians. He writes about the fullness of the Spirit and all the gifts that come with that. But he also talks about, in 1 Corinthians 13, the gift of love. And it's interesting because the way that he wrote in between 1 Corinthians 12 and 1 Corinthians 14, which talk about the gifts of the Spirit and how they operate in the church, is 1 Corinthians 13, which is all about love. And so often I think we see today in Spirit-filled churches, those that really pursue the gifts of the Spirit, they pursue them for the experience of the gifts. And really what the gifts of the Spirit are given for, I believe, is to help us be able to demonstrate love. That's supposed to be the focal point. That's what Jesus was all about. That's what his gifts and his miracles that he performed were a demonstration of his love and his power, who he is, and the nature of God, which is love. And everything that we do, if we have power from God or gifts from God or any kind of ministry abilities, they all should be used as a demonstration of God's love. That's the point of what he wants to do. But we can't do that in and of ourselves. It can't be our love. It's not something that automatically comes to you when you're saved. You need to have a real overflowing baptism of love from God to be able to walk in the fullness of what he has. The difference between Jesus Christ and the religious system of his day, which composed of Pharisees, Sadducees, scribes, and lawyers, is that they were law-based. Okay, the religious system was based upon the law of Moses. 
and based upon natural-minded interpretation of spiritual scriptures. But Jesus was love-based, and his actions were based upon being led of the Holy Spirit out of love. So he had a completely different perspective on things than the religious leaders did. That's why he could fellowship with publicans and sinners and accept them as human beings because he loved them. And he was willing to have mercy and forgive them their mm-hmm. faults in order to save them. While the religious people couldn't get past seeing that they were sinners and they were reprobates. And so they didn't even want to have anything to do with them. And consequently, they were ineffectual in saving anybody. They couldn't even save themselves. They ultimately rejected the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God. So we need to switch our basis of Christianity from one of dogma and doctrine to one of experience and love. Yeah. And when we change that and we let the nature of God flow through us to one another in whatever way he desires, then we can start coming back into the fullness of God that we lost in the garden through sin. And this is very, very important because the natural-minded person is at odds with God all the time. Pharisees just did not get what Jesus was about because they didn't have the same basis. And we all need to come into a higher love, which is the nature of God expressed in and through us to one another so that we can have the basis that Jesus Christ had, so we can know God in his fullness. We'll never know God in his fullness by just reading about him. Mm -hmm. You have to experience him. You have to ask for the gift of salvation. You have to ask for the gift of Holy Spirit baptism. And you need to ask for the gift of being filled with the love of God. Wow, that's really powerful. And once you do get that filling of his love, like you said, it changes your perspective. And it changes your perspective not only on the nature of God, but it really changes your perspective on people. When you walk in that higher love, you're able to walk in grace and mercy and forgiveness. Even when people mistreat you, you can continue to respond to them in love. Exactly. Even when people misunderstand you and accuse you, you can not be defensive. You can respond in love. You can reach out to people if you're still walking in your legalism and your religious dogma. There's certain people you don't really want to associate with, or if you do, you just want to toss them a morsel of, this is the gospel, you got to get saved, and then run back to the safety of your fold. Instead, when you have this higher love, you see them as people. You don't see a saved, unsaved, Catholic, Muslim, Baptist, you just see people. And that opens up your heart to so much. You know, when you see a person searching, you don't condemn them for where they're searching. When you see a person hurting, you don't judge them for, well, if you hadn't done this, you wouldn't be hurting. You just see everything completely differently. You see people as individual people and you feel a love for them that is what God feels for them. It's a completely different experience and a completely different perspective on the world. The other thing too is when people do not feel that they're a project in your Christian world, they can open up to you and you can speak to them as a person And you can tell them about salvation. You can tell them about heaven and hell. You can tell them that they need to know Jesus Christ as a personal Lord and Savior. And because you connect with them on a heart level, they're open to whatever you have to say because you're not saying it because they're a project. You're saying it because you are true and they're a person and they can feel that you care about them. And so the whole basis of Christianity needs to get off the doctrinal bent. I mean, we are in a post-doctrinal era. I really think that, yeah. We are in a time where Jesus is becoming so real to us that we are epistles 
of God read and known of all men by our actions, by our mm-hmm. presence, and not by just the things that we believe. And this is a very, very critical thing to understand right now. Our doctrine needs to take a subservient place to our experience in God. True unity in the Spirit does not come through agreement of our natural minds. True unity in the Spirit of God comes through a shared experience with Him. We are one in the Spirit because we know one Spirit. We all experience one Spirit. That provides the basis of our being joined fitly together and being unified as a body of Christ. It's us knowing one God that makes us one with each other. That's right. Yeah, it's just like what Jesus prayed for us in John 17 when he said that they all may be one, Father, as you and I are one, me and you and you and them and them in us. That unity that he prayed for has absolutely nothing to do with what we believe or what we think or what religious background we have. That unity that he prayed for, that he wants for us, has to do with us being in him and him being in us. And if you think about God and his nature being love, that's the essence that binds us together. When you have that kind of love flowing in you from God, it overwhelms all the other things that used to be so important to us. It has so much more weight in our lives than beliefs. If I used to have an issue with Catholics because I'm not Catholic, when I have this love of God that flows over me, all of a sudden I don't see them as a person who disagrees with me on some doctrinal point. I just see them as a person. And if they belong to God and I belong to God, we have that unity of his love. And then we walk as one. Does your doctrine matter more than what you do? I don't think it does. Mm -mm. I think what you do on a daily basis in God matters more than what you believe. Because if you do the will of the Father on a moment-to-moment basis, and you believe some doctrine that is perhaps not quite true, does it matter? No, it matters that you did the will of the Father at that given moment. The thing about the story of the Samaritan is that the Samaritan, which were universally despised by the Jews, actually did the will of the Father by helping the man in distress and taking and binding up his wounds and getting him help. He did the will of the Father, even though he wasn't doctrinally correct. While the people who were more doctrinal-based sidestepped him. So for that man on the road, the person who actually did the heart of God Mm -hmm. mattered, while Mm -hmm. those who were, quote, congruent with what God was in the scriptures didn't. And so really, your doctrine doesn't really make a hill of beans difference to me. I'm interested in whether or not you will do what God says for you to do when he says to do it with whomever he says to do it with. If you do that, you are my brother. You are my sister. You are part of the household of God. And this is where we're coming to in this tabernacle movement. We are going beyond doctrine. We are experiencing a higher love. We are coming back into right relationship with God that we used to have in the Garden of Eden. That's why I say it's back to the Garden. And we are coming into innocence because we are only doing the things that God shows us to do when he says to do them. We're not going by what we think is right in our natural minds. We're just obeying what this Holy Spirit shows us and speaks to us. That is our doctrine, basically, is just to do whatever God says whenever he says to do it. And I like that you use the word innocence because that really describes the sense of what this love is all about. 
innocence and humility are the two things that really mark when you have received this love. You know, I remember being very legalistic myself and trying to really reach out to those who I felt like, oh, he's an atheist, he's got to know God, and trying to get that person to believe what I believed about God and what I believed about the Bible. Watching that person seek and trying to experience love, and I couldn't meet him on the same level where he was at, which is a pursuit of love, because I was so concerned that he believed exactly what I believed. And it wasn't until I stepped out of that legalism and really felt the love of God come over me that I could see that person as a person who was seeking for the same thing that I'm seeking. And I could communicate with that person on a common level of love. And now I'm seeing that it's not up to me to change a person's belief or to convince a person about who Jesus is, because Jesus is doing that himself. Those that are truly seeking truth are running into Jesus just on their own because Jesus is meeting them. I think we need to strategically allow ourselves to be placed by God wherever he wants to use us. And if we demonstrate his love and acceptance of people in a a spirit of innocence, a spirit of humility, I can't claim anymore that I know exactly how God is going to reveal himself to people. I believe that when they seek him, they will find him and they will discover that Jesus is the way to God. But does that mean they have to believe exactly what I believe about the Bible? No, it doesn't. Because just like what you said, the experience of God is going to draw them where they need to be. Our job is not to change their minds to believe a certain thing. Our job is to encourage them to meet God. When they meet God, he can take care of all of their belief system. And if it's all centered around love, we're going to have that unity. You know, Jesus said to the Pharisees, you scour heaven and hell to make one convert, and then you make him into twofold more a child of hell than you are. Hmm. And right now, many churches exist to proselytize people to their worldview and Christian view. A Baptist wants to make you a Baptist. A Pentecostal wants to make you a Pentecostal. Catholic wants to make you a Catholic. Because they believe that their church is the correct way. They believe that becoming like them will get you near to God. And that's not true. It really isn't. Our particular doctrinal camp doesn't matter at all to God. What matters to God is that we become united with Him and do His will and become remade in His image and likeness. And it's not into any particular denomination. It is into a particular image that represents Him most accurately. And so when we tell people about Jesus Christ, when we testify of our faith, We should stop testifying of our church. We should actually be testifying of our actual relationship with Jesus and what he means to us and how he works in our lives and what he does on a daily basis in the walk that we have with him. And then let God convince the person that you're talking to by his Holy Spirit that he is the way, the truth, and the life. Exactly. I can tell people that, yeah, hell is eternal. If you don't know Jesus, unfortunately, you will not be accepted in heaven because God has made that the mechanism by which he'll accept you or not. It's not like he's being mean. It's that it's the only way he could do it. And when a person really believes that you love them, they'll listen to you and they'll consider it. Mm -hmm. Now, maybe they're not ready to do that Mm -hmm. at that point, but at least you've shown them the heart of God and shown them a picture of God that is different than those that demand they believe a certain thing in order to have interests into their club. 
Yeah. And what does this world need right now? We are in a unique place where there is widespread fear over the entire earth, widespread uncertainty about what the future holds. Exactly. And the way to combat fear is by love. And if we as people who know the true God and his incredible love don't take that love and spread it to the world, we're missing a tremendous opportunity. This is not the time to try to convince people they need to believe a certain thing about the doctrinal basis of our faith. This is the time to show people an incredible love because it's that love that is going to overcome the fear. When people can sit in a place where they're not regretting the past, when they're not afraid of the future, but they're sitting in the present and in the presence of that incredible love, that's where the fear leaves. When you just enjoy what you have today and the incredible love that God has poured out on you, the fear goes away. We're the ones that are carrying this for the world. And as believers, we have a responsibility to not just keep this incredible love, if we really know it, inside our house. This needs to be spread throughout the entire world. And we need to be asking God, how do you want to use me to show your love to the world? Because the world needs an understanding of this higher love now more than ever, probably. With the tabernacle blessing, with individual connections within the body of Christ, God connects you supernaturally to another person, or maybe two people. But it's very limited because you only have so much time. And when you're connected with somebody, you just want to spend all your time with them, and you want to meet their needs, whatever there is. And so it's individual connection and body ministry towards another person in the body of Christ. And Jesus manifests through them, manifests through you, and then God is built up between you, and you're both edified. You can have God doing wonderful things within you and through you mm -hmm. and between you without having to get together with 500 it's, people. Exactly. And even if you're miles and miles away from your connection, that sensitivity to each other, that awareness of each other, and that love exactly. for each other is still just as strong as if you were in the same room. That's absolutely correct. And you learn to walk in the spirit by the mm -hmm. things you experience with your spiritual connection. And this is how God can unite the body of Christ, mm -hmm. even in time of social distancing. Because really, in the spirit, there's no social distance. There isn't. And you're closer than a brother, even if you're miles and miles apart. The higher love that we're speaking of is the love that flows through both of you towards each other. And that builds you up in the most holy faith. So, where are we going in the church? The model that we have been going through is a model that was a Reformation model. And it was a reintroducing of salvation. And then we had a major reintroduction of the Holy Spirit through Pentecostalism. But now, as a finishing work in the church age, we are having a reintroduction of the very nature of God through his divine love within the body of Christ. And we're now breaking into individual connections between his body mm -hmm. so that if you have 500 people, you don't have one pastor who's trying to minister to them. You have 250 people that are ministering to 250 people right. within that body. And everybody's getting quality time. Everybody's getting healing. Everybody's getting loved as they need to be loved mm -hmm. by individual mm -hmm. people that have been personally selected by God to meet the other needs. And so this body ministry is actually much greater than any pastor or teacher or evangelist or apostle or prophet could be because it's God manifests in our flesh one-on-one -on -one to each yes. other. It's your own personal Jesus. And that is pretty cool. Yeah. It allows you and encourages a sensitivity of the Spirit. You know, God spoke to me, separation is an illusion. 
And he's been taking me on a journey of trying to understand what he means by that. And I think it centers around that scripture in John 17, where we're one with him and we're one with each other as he's one with the Father and the Father's in him and he's in the Father and we're in him. And somehow that unity and that idea that we are one and that we are all connected in Christ through God is a central truth that he wants to bring about through this tabernacle's blessing. This tabernacle's blessing is all about divine love, understanding this baptism of love that supersedes any love that we've known. It's about connecting with each other through the spirit. It's about oneness. It's about oneness with God. It's about oneness with each other. And that will get us to the point where we can little by little start to see that there really is no separation between us and others in the body of Christ. There's no separation between us and God. If we belong to him, he lives in us. And having the power of God and his love live in us is an amazing thing that we haven't even scratched the surface of. One of the great things about allowing God to spiritually connect you with another person is that God flows through you. You become a manifestation of God to that person. And along with that person receiving Christ through you, you get to partake of Christ as he moves through exactly. you. And so what happens is that you feel the love of God flowing through you to that other person. That's why you love them so much. Mm -hmm. But at that same time, you also feel loved by God because you're filled with his love. Exactly. And there's this halo effect that happens when you allow God to be himself through you that you get blessed also. A lot of people are very focused upon their pain. A lot of people are very focused upon their needs. That is a natural thing to happen when you have pain and when you have needs. But when you take a step of faith and you let God manifest through you to another in a selfless way, mm -hmm. not wanting to do anything for yourself, you end up getting ministered to by God at the same time. And you find that the pain you have eases because you're giving God to another person. You find that the needs you have are taken care of because your needs now become subsumed exactly. in God's will. And the needs that you thought you had, you don't have anymore because your needs change because you'd want to do what God wants exactly. to do. And he meets those needs because those yeah. are in alignment with his desire. It's an incredible thing because we think in our natural minded thinking and in our self-preservation way, I have to make sure that my needs are met. I have to forcefully grab what I need because I need it. Right. But there's a marked difference when you can note a day where you are really receiving the love of God and letting that flow through you to other people and not concerned about what you need because you feel satisfied, you feel full, you feel like all your needs are being met and you don't have to ask from anyone what you need because God's giving you everything. There's a distinct difference between that and a day when you're not walking in that, where you're feeling like you have to grab what you need. It's up to you to make sure your needs are met. But what a beautiful backwards thing that God has created. It's backwards to us in our natural mind of thinking that we can just have this love and as we're living it and pouring it out on other people. We don't have to worry about anything that we need because we're having all of that met. You gain a sublime confidence in God when you allow him to flow through you because you just feel like whatever you need, he will give you. And you can give freely to other people, not worrying about whether you're going to get anything back because you just have this confidence that you're in the will of God exactly. and God will make things happen that you need. And you don't have to claw and you don't have to force things to happen for yourself. You just have a confidence that God will give you what you want. I remember that I was doing God's will and I was ministering and it was tough time financially. And I kept doing what God wanted to do and I got less and less, less money. 
And there was this time that I wanted this butcher block because I was learning how to cook. And it was a really nice butcher block. It was like 90 bucks. But I kept just spending the money I had for it on other things that God mm -hmm. said was more important. And it was a very specific butcher block, very nice. It was about three inches thick. So I just figured that, well, you know, God has need of my money elsewhere. And then I was just driving around one day and there was this garage sale. And I went to the garage sale and sitting right there on the middle table was the butcher block I oh wanted. Oh my gosh. To. I thought, oh, that's terrible because I literally had $5 in my wallet. I thought, ah, I can't even ask him because he'll say it's like 30 bucks and I don't have it, you know. But then something prompted me to ask him, and I said, so how much do you want for the butcher block? And I says, ah, five bucks. <laughs> and I gave him the five bucks, and I had the exact butcher block I wanted. And that happens over does, and over yeah. and over in my life, that I get the exact things that I want, even though I'm doing God's will, and I really don't have the money for them. And it's like this in the Holy Spirit, too, when it comes to love. We all believe that we want a certain person, a certain type of person, a certain type of love. And we really, really want it. And we want to get that person, mm -hmm. you know. And God keeps calling us to do something else. We feel drawn to minister. We feel drawn to do His will. And when we really want to be going after that person and that love that we really think we need, what you find out is if you'll just trust God and allow him to do his thing, if you'll do his thing, he will give you the exact person that you want. He'll give yeah. you the exact love that you seek. It'll be perfect for you. And this is how God works in the spirit. By faith, you do his will. And then he remembers you and gives you what you yeah. want. And you end up with more than you could have had at the beginning. A lot less trouble that you would have went to to get it. Mm. And it'll be exactly what you need. And this is the higher love. This is what higher love does. We give to God. And then as we serve him, he says, well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter thou into my rest. Yeah. And he's very in tune to the things that we desire and need. And if you think about that unity that Jesus talks about, God in him and him in God and us in each other. I mean, it's not like we're standing in a circle. It's like we're one. Imagine yourself wrapped up in the essence of God and the essence of God wrapped up in you, where is there going to be any lack? Where is there going to be anything that you need? If you are subsumed in God and him in you, you will have everything you need. He is the author of everything. He is the source of everything. He is our provision. So why would we lack anything when we become one with him? And that's what's amazing about him when we allow ourselves to be wrapped up in him and one with him, that love. We feel it, we experience it, and we can pour it out on everybody around us. Exactly. I mean, a higher love really means the original love. It is the love that God gave to us by indwelling us in the Garden of Eden. It was his presence. It was his nature manifest through us to the world and to each other. And so the higher love that we're talking about is actually the first love of the Garden of Eden. And this is what he wants to restore to the human race because this is the fuel. This is the core of who we are and who we yeah. were meant to be. And without being connected very, very divinely with his love, we cannot function as God intended and we'll never be what he wanted us to be. And so you need to seek the love of God, just like you sought to be saved, just like you sought to be filled with the Holy Spirit. You need to seek to be filled with the love of God. It's an mm -hmm. actual experience. 
And it's something that when you have it happen to you, you know it. Yeah. I mean, you cannot mistake it. Yeah. You love another person in such a higher plane that is almost indescribable by natural work. They, in your eyes, are now perfect. You have unlimited grace for them. You have unlimited patience. You only want their best. You want to see them prosper. You want to see them healed. You'll sit and listen to them, and they will feel that they can share anything with exactly. you. Exactly. Because the love of God is flowing so strongly through you. And we are naturally made to trust God. And when we sense God, we open up and we mm. just say, oh, I'm here, you know, and mm. all my imperfection. And you'll just say, that's great. <laughs> I have unlimited time for you. I don't want anything in return. And once you feel that type of love flowing through you and inside of you, you feel like a whole person. You do. You feel like you're complete because you are complete. God is dwelling in you in his fullness and he's manifesting out of you like he originally intended. And so you feel this wholeness in yourself. You feel like you're holy. Yeah. And this is what true holiness is, is allowing God to manifest his nature fully through you. That's the only way that you can become holy. And it is an amazing feeling that is higher than anything you can feel in this earth. To be one with God, even for a few moments, is worth everything that you ever had or ever want to have. It is a completeness that satisfies you like nothing else. Mm -hmm. And it's a spiritual experience. You ask for it, and it's a gift that God gives freely to whoever desires it. The only thing you have to do is you have to be willing to receive and you have to be willing to understand that God's not giving it to you because you're perfect. God's simply giving it to you because it's his will. He wants you to be filled with his spirit. Yeah, he wants you to know that love. There's no other experience that we can have that is more satisfying and will meet the needs that we have on every level than walking in that fullness of that baptism of love. Right. You might think you really need something from another person. You might think you really need something in your bank account. You might think you really need something in your stomach. But knowing that love satisfies everything. And I guarantee you, when you walk in that love, you will get a lot of other things besides that. You will get that love from that person that you're wanting. You will get that extra money that you need for something. You will get that wonderful meal that you're anticipating because that's the nature of God. That's how he gives. But those things are just like the icing on the delicious cake. The delicious cake is that oneness with God, that experience of his love that is satisfying in and of itself. You don't need anything else. You don't need anything from other people. You just want to share that and pour that out. What you receive back as a benefit of that, as a consequence of sharing that, is just extra. It's a bonus. But that love in and of itself is enough. And what I feel to do now is to talk to the prophets of this generation. God has been speaking to you, and you've been sharing things that you consider are maybe controversial, maybe at the edge of what is acceptable to the people that listen to you. And God keeps pushing you beyond where you feel comfortable. And today, as you listen to us, you know in your spirit that what we're talking about is correct. But you're afraid to share the fullness of what we're saying with those that you have in contact with you. What I'm saying to you right now is that you have to get over yourselves. Even though you are a prophet, you do still have a fear of man inside of you to share exactly what God says. I understand this. I hate being a prophet too. In fact, thank God that I'm not. But when God did use me as a prophet, 
I had to speak the whole word of God, which is oftentimes really, really hard to do. And with this baptism of love, this is not going to be received by the normative church. It is not going to be honored by the normative church. And if you share this message with the normative church, you will suffer great persecution and great rejection. But it's not about the acceptance of the masses. It's about our obedience to the one God that we serve. And so we must declare the whole word of God as we get it without coloring it to our advantage. So when you hear this message and you know that it's right in your spirit, speak it with boldness, speak it with confidence, and speak it with determination that you will not be swayed either to the right or to the left, but to tell people exactly what God is giving you through his Holy Spirit. That is your mission as a prophet. Being a prophet is not a popularity game. It is an obedience to the Holy Spirit so you can be a mouthpiece to this generation. And to the degree that you accurately speak forth the divine words that God gives you, that is what makes you a faithful servant. Not how much they're received or how much they are accepted. In Jesus' name. And for those of you that are listening that have been experiencing a lot of fear because of what's been going on in the world right now, and you have so much uncertainty about the future, I want to just encourage you to press into God and ask Him to pour out that baptism of love on you. Amen. There's nothing you have to do at all to get over that fear, but to just allow yourself to be immersed in His love. Because when His love comes on you, it casts out fear. And it's not a matter of retraining your brain. It's not a matter of making sure you've got everything lined up to protect you from what's to come. It's a matter of allowing Him to baptize you with that love. Follow the leading of the Spirit and what He asks you to do as a result of that baptism. And just rest in the love and the assurance that the Almighty God loves you and is taking care of you and working everything for your good. That's the antidote to the fear that we have right now, is this baptism of love that God wants to pour out on you. Yeah, perfect love casts out fear. Right. And the perfect love of God makes you bold. And he leads you by his Holy Spirit. And by simply doing what he asks you to do, you're in his will. It becomes very, very simple when you think about it. It is. And just start doing what he says on a moment-by-moment basis. Mm -hmm. We don't have to pray for two hours to hear God say, go and talk to so-and-so now. I mean, the answer to that is yes. And putting on your shoes and going out the door or calling them on the phone or doing Skype. And that's all you are responsible to do at that very moment. Yeah, I like that. That's all you're responsible to do. All we're supposed to do is live in the present moment in the presence of God. There's an innocence in that. There's a humility in that. There's a confidence and a peace in that. What do you want me to do right now in this moment? You walk in obedience to that, not worrying about tomorrow, knowing that if you're following him moment by moment in the present, tomorrow will be taken care of. It's like you said at the beginning of this podcast, today is the tomorrow that you worried about yesterday. Exactly. Why worry? Why not just live in his love in the moment? In that innocence, follow the leading of his spirit in the present moment, moment by moment. That's how he wants us to live. That's how we're created to live. That's how we function best. And if you will just get into the moment and do what God says, no matter what he says to do, and just have confidence in him, he'll take care of all the incidentals. Exactly. He doesn't call you to do something without making a way to do it. 
The other thing I would say to those who are listening to the Holy Spirit is the weird thing that God wants you to do is the weird thing he wants you to do. It's weird because it's his thing and the world doesn't do what God wants to do. Yeah. So, of course, it's not going to look weird. Normally, when God asks you to do something because you're not walking in the Spirit, it looks strange. It seems unreasonable. It seems like something that doesn't make sense. Well, that's because it's spiritual. That's because it's being received from a God who sees the end from the beginning, who knows what's going to happen next week if you do this. And he is asking you to trust him and to do this thing this week so the thing he wants to happen next week can take place. But there is no way in the natural that you can see that happening. But he does because he is a omnipotent, omniscient, and omnipresent being who exists in all time. And he knows that if you are obedient today in this thing that seems strange, a miracle will happen next week because of that obedience. And we don't have to know what the future holds to be able to walk in obedience. We just have to trust that the God who is leading us is the God who loves us. And his love is perfect and protective and generous and gentle and kind. And we can trust where he takes us. This is where a lot of people are. They're really, really searching. They're really, really desiring something more, something higher, something satisfying and real. Yet because of past experiences and past disappointments, they're afraid to jump out and to believe once again. And I understand that. You know, I know you be hurt, you want to protect yourself. You don't want to go through that again. Exactly. It's normal to do that. And what I would say to you is that the Holy Spirit understands where you've been and what you've been through. But he also understands there are certain things you need to do in order to obtain your desires. And you need to trust him and not fear what he had happened to you before. And the reason that it's reasonable to trust him is because he's God. And when you trust God and you do what he asks you to do, the results are good. Now, if you're just doing another thing that seemed reasonable to you, then yeah, you're going to have the same thing happen to you again. But when you actually hear the voice of God, and you do his voice, and you cast your cares and your worries upon him, he'll make things work out because he'll ask you to do the right thing that will give you the right results that you seek based on his knowledge, not yours. Exactly. That's the way to avoid the danger that you're so afraid of walking into. That's very good. In conclusion, there is a higher love. It's a higher love that we're all called to experience. It is a love that was in the Garden of Eden. It is love that God wants to restore to his people. It is a finishing work here at the end of the Gentile church age. It is what causes us to become one. It is what causes us to be fitly joined together as one body of Christ. It is the crowning, finishing work of the Holy Spirit that is the tabernacle blessing. It is a divine love given from above as a gift to those who ask for it. So I encourage everyone who is listening to this podcast, if you desire a higher love, if you desire something that will truly satisfy you, truly fill you with a sense of well-being, of completeness, of destiny even, ask God to fill you with his love. And then when he fills you with his love and you feel that love towards another person, allow God to live his life through you. Allow God to manifest himself in that love to that other person. And don't judge what he asks you to do. He's God. What he does is, by definition, holy. You don't need to second-guess him. 
if he wants you to hug that person, you hug him. And you hug him for as long as he wants to hug him. If he wants you to kiss them with a holy kiss, you kiss them. If he tells you that he wants you to be with them and listen to them and love them in whatever way he wants them, you do it. And you believe God and you have confidence as the Holy Spirit. This is the way forward in your life. This is the way out of the quagmire that you found yourself in. This is the step that you need to take today that will change your life so radically you will not know yourself in a few weeks. Right. And it's so simple and it's so innocent and it's so profoundly beautiful and satisfying. You don't want to not do this. <laughs> I think that we don't understand what it is not to have this love. But if I really think back, even before I saved, I wanted something so desperately. Yeah. I knew there was something more and I didn't know how to get it. But today God has given you the key. God is giving you the starting point that you can begin your own journey in him towards a higher love. That's right. Amen. Well, thank you for listening this week. We appreciate it. We always love fellowshipping with you. We pray a blessing upon you. But first, we'd like to give you a word from our sponsor. are you? As you know, the sermon today will be precisely 30 minutes, but I do want to announce before that that we had some guy stand up last week and he said, Righteous Reverend, I don't believe that. And I don't know how that happened. I, I told the usher to go fall upon him and take him out of the church because dissension is next to the devil. We can't have that going on. I mean, we all have to believe in one thing. It's better when people just obey. I love obedience. Obedience makes my life smooth. I just say it, they do it, end of story. But when somebody questions, then you got to explain. Then you got to pontificate and you got to give them reasons and do Bible studies. You know, it works so much easier if they just say, yes, Ratchet Forever. I, I, I like efficiency in the Holy Spirit, really. It's been a righteous moment with the Righteous Reverend. Be blessed. You have a great week. We'll see you next week. Be blessed and God is with you. Amen. Bye-bye. Bye. It works so much easier if they just say, yes, Ratchet Forever. I mean, that that's God's will. No? I should fall upon that person.